Welcome to episode 215 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here. And this week, Chad Malone is back on the podcast. Finally. Finally. Long overdue. That's right. I looked it up. It was episode 58. <laughs> and here we are at 215. So it's been quite a while, but we're very happy to finally make this happen. And guess what? It's St. Patrick's Day has passed, but it's St. Patrick's Day week. So I believe that's why we've got him on this week. There you go. Yeah. You said that's a good week for it. So that's the week we made it happen. That's right. Before we get into all that, we got to let you know that we're sponsored by DEB Concerts and Med Farm. DEB Concerts, based in Tulsa, keeps bringing kick-ass rock bands to the Ideal Ballroom. Bands like Saxon, Tom Kiefer, Sebastian Bach, Striper, Warrant. Winger, Lita Ford, a huge long list, and they've got more shows to be announced soon. But recently they announced that they are bringing Snoop Dogg, Nelly, and Chromio to the BOK Center. Nice. That is pretty cool. It is, it is. Yeah, we've talked about that recently, how very glad to see DEB concerts jumping up to the arena level. Yes, I mean, we're not hip-hop guys at all. But like I've said before, we're DEB guys. So to see these to see these guys move up to the arena level is great. I can only imagine what they're going to do next. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Huge things are coming. If you want to go see Snoop Dogg in Tulsa along with Nelly, then get your ass out to be okay. April 12th, you can buy tickets at Ticketmaster beforehand. It's that simple. And DEB Concerts. Booked all the acts for the D&B processing stage at Rocklahoma this year. It is one of the two side stages at Rocklahoma. And they are bringing in Lita Ford, Ace Freely, Bisto Blanco, Slaughter, Strutter, who is a KISS tribute band. Then we've got the Midnight Devils making their return. These guys always kick ass at Rocklahoma or anywhere they are. Yep. We've also got Solidify. Grind, Doxy, Down for Five, Poster Child, Dead Metal Society, Rocket Science, The Normandies, Zen Hipster, and many more. Yes, it'll be quite a time. That's right. Over four days of rock and roll, May, uh, May 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th. 23rd's the pre-show, which features Slaughter and a few other acts, so get out there early and enjoy the whole weekend. And you'll hear more about that in the weeks to come. Of course. Med Farm is located in Broken Arrow. They're a pretty new dispensary. Been around for a few months now. They recently had their official grand opening here a few weeks ago. But we're very glad to have them on as a sponsor. You can get in there any Friday and Saturday if you need to see a doctor to get your medical marijuana card. Every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then... When you buy your product from them, you just say that Thunder Underground sent you, and they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is a great thing. But an even greater thing is that 30% of their profits go to help build no-kill animal shelters in this area of the state, which is another huge, huge thing that we're both very excited about and very glad to be, you know, have our small part in this by having them sponsor this podcast. Of course. Go check out MedFarm. You can find them on Facebook, that's M-E-D-P-H-A-R-M, and you can find them on Instagram, at MedFarmOK. 
Okay, and speaking of Med Farm and DEB concerts in Rocklahoma, <coughs> both of those have donated items to this benefit that we mentioned in our last episode. Yes. We didn't have full info at that time. It was all coming together. But as we talked about last episode, our good friend Josh Baker was in an accident that put him in the ICU. But the great news is that now we're talking here a week and a half later and he got to go home just the other day. That's right. So he's still got a long road of recovery ahead of him. But, you know, we're doing our part, which is putting on this benefit April 7th at the Shrine. and. Like I mentioned, Med Farm, they're donating an item for the raffle. DEB Concerts has donated two weekend Rocklahoma passes for this raffle. And then we've got other items from local businesses like Marshall Brewing Company has a tasting package. Iloff Salon has donated a gift card. Fat Phillies Sunset Tattoo, our good friend Jake Thompson, yes, has donated a $100 gift card. Down for Five has donated an autographed guitar. And we've got other autograph memorabilia to announce soon, as well as other gift cards for these auction, silent auction and raffles. That's right. And we've also got a bunch of acts playing. Yes, we do. Like who? Uh, we got uh, Zen Hipster, Steve Liddell, Weston Horn in the Hush, Tony Romanello in the Black Jackets, Murderous Mary, Let Slip the Dogs, Modern Myth, and Dead Union. So um, that's a pretty stacked lineup, and it should be a fun afternoon slash evening uh, for a great cause to help our buddy out because he needs it. Yeah. Yeah, all those bands are great. It covers a wide range yes. of, of styles there. And like you said, afternoon and evening, it kicks off at 3. It should be over by probably 9 or 9.30. Yeah. So it's a Sunday. Get out there and enjoy <clears throat> the day. And all the proceeds from the door, the raffles, the auctions, and the food will be going towards Josh. And the food will be... Served out of the bachelor table food truck by Maggie, who works there. Of course. And then Chef Josh Vitt, who runs Vitter's Catering, he's going to actually be providing the food and all the proceeds he's donating to Josh as well. That's right. And um, something I wanted to point out is you know, all, all the bands on this bill have uh, some kind of connection to Josh. Uh, you know, in a way, either directly or indirectly. So it was great that we could get all these, you know, we get all these guys on the same page. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to find people from this area that we knew Josh was a fan of drummer wise, like Matt Donaldson, Michael Davis, Michael Hanson, Jake White, so on. Yeah. But we also wanted people on there like Steve Liddell, Tony Romanella that we know he has a, a history with yes, definitely. is a big fan of and that kind of thing as well. So yeah, like you said, this is a great lineup and we're happy to be able to be a part of this. Of course. April 7th at the Shrine. This is being put together by us, Porch Talk. Laura Bells has had a big hand in this and then Steve Murdoch from Murdoch Productions is helping us out and of course Donnie Rich in the Shrine has you know, donated the venue and the, the door for this thing as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, we couldn't be more grateful and thankful. Definitely. I was going to ask you, so, oh yeah, what do you think about Metallica doing S&M 2? I think it's pretty fucking rad. Yeah? <clears throat> I, I can only imagine what songs are going to do. I hope they change it up and 
I mean, I'm sure there's there's going to be songs that are the same. What I see, I immediately go into geek mode. I can't talk. I get all <laughs> jumbly and you know, um, uh, Professor Frankish. Set less than one, than two. But no, for real. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I, I I had no idea they'd ever do something like this again. Right. Um. So and it just kind of got dropped on you. So that was cool. Um. I saw a headline today um, in my my scroll through my feed about, you know, a lot of fans are pissed off because I guess they sold out so fast and the bots bought them all up, all the tickets. So I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. Doesn't make a fuck to me. I'm not going to be there either way. It's in San Francisco, for Christ's sakes. Right. <clears throat> but I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes down and what songs they're going to do and um, it should be pretty cool. Yeah. It'll be pretty neat. Yeah, you mentioned the the song selection, and the first I was like, you know, what other old songs could they do? But I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to really change, because I figured the stuff in the set list that changes will be like adding songs from, obviously, a few songs from Hardwired. Yes, that's what I... Maybe I'm... a Death Magnetic song or two. You're, you're right. I doubt there's much St. Anger, but there's probably going to be, you know, fuck, Lulu songs would work... Uh, Orchestrally, or yeah. how do you say that? <laughs> yeah, you, you're exactly right in 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 that. But I'm sure there'll be one surprise thrown in, like something from the first four albums. Yeah, but, you know. but the classics that they did on S and M, the staples. Well, yes, they'll be there. Yeah, but I mean, I just don't, you know, like the load stuff that you saw on S and M. Probably not gonna be there. Yeah, maybe kind of like their set list is now. Maybe one or two songs mm-hmm. might get thrown in the mix. Yeah. But they're definitely going to give Hardwired some S&M treatment, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So. And you're hoping not the actual song Hardwired because no. we learned that, that acoustically doesn't come out that no, great. No, it, it does not. <laughs> I, I think. But orchestrally, it might. Um, Is I that think, a word? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't I know. I keep saying it. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like our, our YouTube video going over their acoustic thing. I, I think if they did the, their that version of All In My Hands with some symphony kind of thing. That'd be cool. Right. Cause they totally reimagined that song, which, you know, <laughs> every goddamn song on that fucking album needs to be reimagined, but <laughs> we're getting way off on a tangent, but yeah, I think it'll be cool. I can't wait to, I, I hopefully they film a lot of it or whatever the fuck. So yeah, you know, they will. Oh yeah. It'd yeah. Be dumb not to. Yeah. Pretty well. Yeah. You're right. Pretty much. So, well, every Metallica show is available for purchase audio wise. And then, yeah. So they'll, but you know that being S and M two, it's going to be probably released as a Blu-ray or yeah, a digital right. download or something. You exactly. Know? So yeah, it'll be something to look forward yeah. to. So that's September. If you have not heard people, but all right. Is there anything else? To mention before we start talking to Chad Malone? Uh, I don't think so. I feel like there is, but I can't really think anything right now. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, you went to that concert the other night, right? What concert? See, this is how shot my goddamn <laughs> brain is. Solidifying sign oh, of lies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, we... Murderous Mary? Yeah. Uh, Melissa and I went to uh, Bad Astronauts and saw... 13X, Sinalize, Murder Mary, Solidify. Great show. Just, uh. Did you, were you there for, saw all four bands? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, just a great night. A lot of, you know, a good hang. We saw a lot of people we knew and, um, you know, all the bands put on a great set. 
you know, Murderous Mary, uh, you know, they're just, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's like, what do I say that we haven't said already? You right. Know? We've both seen them a million times and, um, it's just, you know, it, it's just flat out rock and roll. It's, it's from the earth and it's from the heart. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's natural, pure, true energy. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it, I, I don't, I don't like to play favorites with these kind of things, but I'm just really digging on Murderous Mary and, and, um, they just, they, they have, they haven't yet turned in a bad set. Right. Um, Sign Lies, their new drummer was great. Um, you know, he nailed everything. Uh, always smiling. I thought that was cool. Um, you know, and Devin's a powerhouse vocalist as usual. Um, 13X is great. They put an awesome show. Solidify, you know, grand and epic and tight as a drum, tight as a dolphin's ass as usual. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're old and, uh, we're boring. So we didn't last all the way till the end of Solidify, but, but we hung in there and, uh, it was a good time. It was a great show. You should have been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were at John Mellencamp, though, which is a great fucking excuse. How was that? <laughs> that was great. Yeah? Yeah, that was well, the... F- where did you sit? On the first row of the balcony. Jesus. Of the oh, balcony. okay. Oh, okay. I was, you always get first row, <laughs> no. motherfucker. No, those, of course, for that, they were really damn high. So yeah. I got first row of the balcony and the, the first section, you know, towards the end where you could see everything perfect. Yeah. But that's the second time I'd seen him, but the first... First time I seen him sober, I guess, because I saw him at Bill Street Music Fest. Oh, yeah, I think you told me about that. And I mean, that was great, but I was a little tipsy. Okay. I was okay. there, you know, with Josh and so, Tommy. So and you, you jasoned it, huh? That one. I mean, I remember <laughs> it, but yeah, I mean, that was, you know how it is at a festival. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. But here at the Brady, you know, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was a cool set. I mean, I had looked at it before. He was doing pretty much the same set every night, so you knew what to expect. But he's not playing Hurt So Good, which, you know, we like to talk about stuff like that, which is funny because, you know, that probably pisses some people off. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, So don't play it. That's what I say. I mean, there's the guy. It doesn't. When you're John Mellencamp, you can leave out five hits and you still got 12 to play. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And And you know what? That stage is theirs. It's not yours. Right. Okay, you're just lucky to be there. They can play whatever the fuck they want. Right. Exactly. But I mean, he... That and is then, for every band. And then, for Jack and Diane, he did it completely acoustic by himself. Oh, so, really? So, I mean, that was cool because yeah. that was a different take on it. And then, you know, that probably made some, someone else in their butt hurt. Love it. But, yeah. <laughs> fuck them in their hurt butt. Right. But he did something I wanted to point out. Is there was this, you know, this Aaron Lewis story last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From the... Criterion in Oklahoma City. God damn, which, we could talk about that. Fuck. Yeah, it's like, I don't really need to get into it, but I, I don't like Aaron Lewis. But I agree with what the guy's, guy's point is, mm-hmm. but he just obviously handled it wrong. You yeah. can't, you know that you're not going to get the right reaction when you handle it that way. Here's, here's what I thought. And yeah, we're going to go off on a tangent here. It, yeah, it sucked. People wouldn't shut up. But on the video, he was like, talking to him and yelling at him, not in the microphone. <laughs> so how are the people, you know, 
way in the back and even hear what the fuck he's saying. <laughs> and then at the very end, he went to the microphone. It's like, what the, what the fuck? I didn't watch the video. And then, know. and then at the very, and then they've panned the crowd of the criterion and the place is so fucking huge. What are you doing, doing an acoustic show there anyways? Yeah. But I mean, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> Sorry. I had to get that in. Go ahead. Well, no, the point to bring that up is John Mellencamp kind of did something similar in a way where he, after about the fourth song, you know, he said, Hey, everybody, thanks for coming out. He's like, we're going to play some songs tonight that you guys know. We're going to play some songs that you probably don't know. And we're going to play a cover song, this and that. And he said, and there's going to be a point here coming up in the middle of the set where it's just going to be a couple of us, you know, stripped down, you know, a quiet part of the set. And I, I, and I would request now that you treat it as a quiet part of the set. And if you're one of those loudmouth motherfuckers, <laughs> like that's that was his quote. He's like, if you're a lot, one of those loudmouth motherfuckers, I think it would be cool if you left here and went out into the lobby so you can be a loudmouth motherfucker out there. And then he said, I, I know how it is because I used to be one of those drunk loudmouth motherfuckers. <laughs> he gets to that point and he start, he's like, this is the point I was talking about. And he's like, I'm going to tell this story before this song. And then some dude in the crowd screams Jack and Diane. He's like, nope, that's not the fucking song. And you're exactly what I'm talking about. You can go out in the fucking lobby. Oh, my God. <laughs> and everybody's fucking like, yeah. Always some fucking asshole, <laughs> yeah. man. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. That that reminds me of the, um, God, if I, feel like, I feel like I've told this story on the podcast before. It's probably been a while, so it's So okay. I'll tell it. And this wasn't even me. Uh, Josh Baker, our buddy, um, went to Brady Theater so many years ago. I think it was Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and uh, Beth Hart was opening up. And I guess I've I don't really even know what she looks like. This has been goddamn eighteen years ago or whatever. I don't know, but I guess she was super fucking skinny or whatever. In the middle of her song, she was like, this next song, blah, 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 telling the story about the song. And some fucking drunk idiot, Josh said, some fucking drunk idiot from up in the balcony screamed out, eat a fucking cheeseburger! <laughs> and she stopped and was like, hey, fuck you, motherfucker. You can get the fuck out of here. So that was, that, remi that reminded me of that story. Wow. So yeah, Beth Hart didn't take any shit. That's good enough. And she shouldn't, yeah. <laughs> Well, now it's time to talk about Chad. Well, hold on. Okay. I have one more. Sorry. Oh, no, Sorry to you. Sorry to Chad Mullen. Did John Cougar Mellencamp or John Mellencamp or Johnny Cougar, whatever fuck he's called, did, did he do anything from Lonesome Jubilee? Uh, fuck, I don't remember. What's the Paper track? and Fire. Yeah. Check it out. He did Paper both, and Fire. Both of those, yeah. Fuck yeah. I love that record. That is such a great fucking record. Yeah. I'm glad he played those. Yeah, because okay. Tracy was a big fan of both those songs. Oh, well. man. And I'm trying to think, you know, he played, uh, as far as like the more rockin' style songs, you know, mm -hmm. like he played the Authority song yeah. towards the end, but he didn't play like R.O.C.K. in USA or I Need a Lover. Yeah. You know, it was more of a, it wasn't like laid back, but it was more of that kind of like what you spec American rock and roll kind of set, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. his, like an upbeat hard rock set like he could do if he wanted to yeah yeah definitely but, well i'm glad he played those yeah lonesome jubilee is a great album i think it's a precursor to a lot of this rootsy stuff that you see today 
Yeah. But yeah. So cool. And you, you didn't have an opener. He, the show opened with a, like a 15 minute documentary. Oh, that's cool. About him. So yeah. All about him. Yeah. All right. So like I mentioned earlier, episode 58, we had Chad Malone on for the first time. Now he's back. And since then, it seems like the shame is more active yes. in that past. Has it been about two, two and a half years, probably? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't look at the timeline, but since we, you know, sat down with him last time, senior fellows are pretty active then and they're way less active now. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, Chad's always been a guy that always has something going on and he's been a part of a lot of bands and it's cool because there's a lot of people, there's some people that do that and shit gets spread thin, but this guy's a part of a lot of acts throughout the years and everything's always been high quality. So we're ready to get into this? Let's do it. All right, here's Chad Malone from The Shame and Larkin. I mean, St. Patrick's on a Sunday this year, so we just, people asked, we took advantage of it. I mean, I'm getting paid real well, so. Yeah. Exactly. Well, well for a punk band, not well for yeah. like, you know, a proper band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not bad. More so than the shame we'll ever make, you know what I mean? So, right. yeah. Preparation for, not, for different kinds of shows where you got acoustic in between the yeah. regular shows and all that. How do you guys prepare Well, for I mean, that? we've been a band now for 21 years. And even our newest member is three years in at this point. We're notoriously bad about not cramming too many rehearsals in for shows. Like we'll do maybe three mm -hmm. and just, you know, try to get ready for all the, because the, basically we'll just work up, go through our, our, our full like St. Patrick's Day set and the other sets we're going to do the other nights are conglomerations of some of that. So we don't really need to go over, you know, every set when they're essentially encompassing the same tunes. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I mean, we play acoustic no matter what. It's just some gigs we're going to play amped. Okay. You know what I mean? Like our uh, our guitar player, can, it's acoustic, but it'll play to a half stack. Actually, just got a hollow body that sounds really good, so we're probably going to use it. But, uh, but yeah, essentially we don't, we don't, it's folk music. I'm playing with some really talented people. They don't need to rehearse that much. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm the only one that's probably going to struggle. So is the acoustic set on Saturday a full band thing? Yeah. 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 And in the one Every, Thursday? everything but Thursday is full band. Okay. Thursday just being at Riley's liquor store at the box yard. Okay. And, uh, we'll just do like five to seven set of old Irish songs. It'd be good fun. And I, I took Friday off work so I could just kind of sleep and rest. And yeah. yeah. You take Monday off too, I guess? Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll probably need a couple of days of just R&R, &R, if you will. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I just got to do my best to avoid drinking all day those days before the gigs. I need to just be rested and Drink my tea, relax, kind of stay away from it, and then get down there a little bit before the gigs and all that. 
it's all right. You know, it's, I mean, nothing we haven't done before. This is definitely the most in a row we've done. But, you know, it's a good opportunity. It's good fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. See if my voice hangs out. <laughs> I haven't been sleeping well lately, so I kind of got to rest it. Is tea always your go-to? Tea, yeah. Tea with honey or tea with whiskey. Um, Soothes the throat a bit, you know. Depends on what i got going. But I, I've been drinking too much lately, so it's just tea for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but do you do any kind of warm-ups? Drink beer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably should, but, you know, I never took this all that seriously. <laughs> My voice sounds like Ronnie Drew anyway, which is, you know, old Irish dude that sounds like he's singing through a gutter or something. Got a great voice, but it's just very, it sounds like he's been drinking whiskey and smoking his whole life, and I kind of get that sound. So, you know. <laughs> I always like to ask that because you get totally different answers, you know. There's a lot of proper musicians that take it seriously and do warm-ups and do, and yeah, I just, I never got into that. <laughs> but then I've heard Rob Halford doesn't, you know, and he's at that highest. Yeah, level, you know? yeah. I mean, it's, it was fun seeing him play that last uh, last tour, the Firepower tour. Yeah, you know, I, I I hadn't really been drinking, so I was there, and I I could hear that he's definitely the ears are starting to get a little rough on him. His voice is there, thereabouts, but it's not as strong as it used to be, mm-hmm. you know. But fuck's sake, the dude's in his 60s. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Try, try to sing uh, Evil Eye and all that, you know? <laughs> when or Electric Eye, pardon me. Try yeah. to sing that shit at that age. Fuck. He seemed to hit it. It's just he strained more. I noticed he was really bent over yeah, the motorcycle really. there at that one part. <laughs> I don't think he took it himself. I don't think he took as good of a care of himself as, say, Bruce did. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Bruce can still do all the antics, and and he's done pretty well to take care of himself. But yeah, you know, last last few Maiden tours have been great. You mm-hmm. know, I've got no complaints about that. But anyway, sorry, <laughs> I can talk about Maiden yeah. all fucking night. You know? <laughs> I think we probably could too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're looking forward to the shows. We haven't we haven't really worked on new material, or anything, and we've been a band so long. After that last record came out a few years ago, we kind of felt that was maybe not a pinnacle, but kind of we had it taken us so long to get that one done that we kind of felt like that was a huge hurdle and we can just kind of now just play once in a while. and all that. It's good fun. It just, uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. Shot glass in there too. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right. I may have to utilize that. (laughs) Cheers. Definitely. But yeah, we we don't we just don't play that much anymore. So I mean, Larkin's still a band, still a good band, but not one that does more than just a couple times a year. Yeah, and it's kind of like the Super Bowl for you guys, anyway. Kind of, yeah, but a friend of mine calls it Irish Christmas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously with Dalton and I both, you know, Dalton's in both bands as well. Um, the Shame's pretty much our our main thing. Uh, Larkin, when it comes up, I mean, we we definitely will take. You know, other than that show the other night, which had it not been a Bunnies reunion, we probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but the shame pretty much take off until April. You know, we're not going to do anything. We're just, two of us will focus on Larkin, you know, then take a little bit of time off, then start rehearsing, working on new material. 
we're getting the shame record out sometime in the near future. So it's been sitting for a year, but that's just how labels work sometimes. But yeah. So I guess on that note, it's like it's been it's completed and everything. It's been done. I mean, the music's been done for ages. Uh, it was the first thing John did with this lineup, our, our guitar player, our new guitar player. He hadn't even played a show with us when he recorded the record. Um, yeah, we basically recorded it and then shopped it out to a couple of labels that were interested. One, we decided to work with, but they ended up getting seriously backlogged. They're called uh, Crowd Control Media. And uh, they do a lot of oi and whatnot. And we decided to partner with them instead of waiting for them to get it out themselves. Because, I mean, you're, you know, a lot of bands don't realize that, you know, you want a label to put you out. What you're basically asking is other punk rockers to spend a couple of grand on what you do. And that's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, who's sitting on that kind of money? You know, and and labels are notoriously not making their money back. You know, you're almost always sitting on records. I know because I did it. You know what I mean? And uh, so we're going to partner with them. We're we're getting all the details now. So hopefully it should be out in a couple of months. And we've got some big shows coming up over the summer. So we're playing with Dog Company next month with uh, the Uncouth from Kansas City, Dog Company from Dallas. I'm bringing both of them up to the Mercury. And then we're playing with a band from France called Lions Law in Kansas City. And they're fucking fantastic. And so we're hoping to get it out by the summer. I mean, that's the tentative plan, but you know how things go. We'll see. Yeah. Getting upset about it's not going to solve anything, you know what I mean? So we feel like it took that Roughneck record two years to get out. That last one, we, the last one that was released. So yeah, this one's been done for a while. It's, it's damn good. It's totally different lineup than all the previous stuff, so. It's the line that played last uh, the other night. So. But none of those guys are recorded with us. It just took yeah. us years to form that lineup, but one thing after another. Yeah. Well, so now I would ask my current lineup question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was me, Josh, and Kevin for most of the time, and we did all the records. Because we're the ones that started it back in about 2010. And uh, eventually... I wanted us to get better. And a lot of that was on my shoulders because I wanted more guitar melody and I don't feel like I'm capable to doing it. I would always struggle to do it live. I get caught up and, and I'm just not a lead guitarist. I'm, I'm decent rhythm. Can't play lead to save my life. I can pick out the melody. If you just leave me alone with the guitar, I can kind of figure it out, but I'm, I'm not an, I can't, I'm not comfortable with it. So we wanted a, a lead guitarist, and I had seen Triple Fang. You know, I knew Dave from Triple Fang, uh, and I had asked him, and he played with us for a few years and had some really good material. And uh, over that time, Josh just had enough. I mean, he when we formed the band, he had not played music in 20 years. We formed the shame. He got to play festivals, release records, do all the things you wanted to do as a kid, play music. But then he did it, and he wanted to not worry about it anymore. So, fair play. But I figured if he was going to quit, I would get 
a more proper musician. You know what I mean? Nothing against Josh. Josh is really good. He's a guy that can play bass, but I kind of wanted to move up to a bass player, if you know what I mean. And Waska is the first person that would come to mind. Yeah. You know, Terry from Asylum and all that. And we've been friends for a long time. He's also, you know, has gone out to the athletics games, fits in just fine with what we do. Always not really listen. He listened to punk rock, but not necessarily oi, but you know, it's, it could, stupid talented on bass. So he got what we were doing. It wasn't an issue. Then we had a bit of, uh, you know, we had did that lineup for a while and then, Dave decided to step down because he was wanting to work more on, this was probably about a year ago, um, wanting to work more on just a new project he was doing. I'm not really sure. He just didn't feel like he had time. So we were going to replace Dave with Dalton because Dalton's a guitar player for Larkin and loves Oi music. And not long after that, Kevin decided to quit. <laughs> and Dalton's pretty damn good at drums too and then Dalton joined at drums and then Dave decided not to quit <laughs> and we like alright so we did that for a little bit and then Dave did decide to step down and and then you know we had known John just from the, the soccer games you know and what's funny is, is I knew he was not really a punk rock dude you know he's a barber and listens to metal but I uh, knew he played guitar, but never really played with anybody. But you guys haven't gone to the athletics games, I don't think. But he would be up leading chants. That's kind of how I knew him. He would be up in front of the whole crowd, leading everybody, being real flamboyant and boisterous and all that shit. And I was like, you know, I don't even care if you like Oi. You bring that guy to our set mm-hmm. and play it the way we would, we want it played. I'm good. And that's, I think, exactly what he brought. A lot of energy, you know, and he's got the skills to play the guitar bits. Yeah. So he was very energetic. Yeah. yeah and, you know, he's youngest of all. I think mean, Dalton are, are both pretty young, they're early 30s. Um, but both those guys have brought an energy that I, you know, um, we're all four of us are really happy with this lineup. So I've got no. Yeah. You know, and like I said, we were we were planning on going to the studio, and when John came in, I was like, you know, let's let's just do that. Let's not even worry about playing a gig yet. And, and the recording came out pretty fucking good. I uh, I don't think I did. I ever give you one of those, did I? No. It's got this is my beer on it, and uh, I mean we did it like I said about a year ago. I'll burn you a copy before you go. Okay, I've got it on the computer. So. Talk about, you know, live. Uh, there's a point in the set where you'd mentioned this next block of songs, and I thought that was kind of a, a cool way to put it. I mean, you know, is there a certain, you know, way you build a set? Yeah, very you know, much so. And, and to get the flow right and stuff like that. I'm, I've always kind of planned sets out. I mean, I've already got all the sets planned out for the Larkin shows coming up, which songs work with which ones, how long we're going to play. Larkin doesn't block them in like the, the shame. Once we got this lineup, I really wanted to focus on being a better live band. I mean, I always thought we were pretty good, but we didn't really plan out the shows as well. I mean, we knew the set, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, but now we plan the pace of each song, which ones we want 
in certain moments and we do them in blocks to where it's, you know, after the second song, the third songs, you, there's no stopping. There's no stopping between those. Mm -hmm. And I want them like that because, you know, you think of it as an audience member, you know, yeah, the band's killer, but after every single song, they're babbling about something. And And I've always, you know, in my political bands, it was always kind of that way. We would play one or two and then we'd talk about politics for a minute. You know, Brother Inferior was like that. But I wanted The Shame to be more of a rock band and put on a rock show. And I want you to sing along. You know what I mean? So play three songs, three or four songs, have a quick breather and a drink, play a, play a block of another songs and kind of have the order sorted out like that. So everybody, we're already well rehearsed as to how the whole set's going to go. Yeah, I, I really wanted to approach this era of the band, if you will, as, as an audience member. And, you know, the way I would want to see the band, you know, if that's a good way of putting it, yeah, we're only gonna, I mean, we're never going to be a, a popular band. We're never going to make it anywhere. I'm, I totally, you know, I'm fine with all of that. I don't care. I mean, I would, I would love someone to come in and write me a six figure check to put out one of my records. That would be awesome, but it's not going to happen. But. As far as we can take it, I don't want to be, I don't want the reason to be because we didn't give our best at shows, mm-hmm. you know, and so if we approach it, we give a hundred percent, we, the songs are on the way we want to play them. The set is good order, good energy, no wasted time between songs. We kind of leave, you know, leave it all on the field as they would say, play the song. If, it, if people don't, don't grab onto what we're doing and we've done everything we can to make it as good as possible, then so be it. You know? Yeah. But I don't want to be... I don't want to look back and go, we could have had a really good band if we would have just worked a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, if, if, if you don't build an audience and you've given everything you've got, you've planned out your best set, you've played your best songs, you've given all your shows and nobody's into it, then so be it, you know? But yeah, so we're, I told, once we formed this new lineup, we all sat down and had a few beers and, and talked about the ways to improve our set and ways to improve our show. And I wanted to go about that. Okay. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of bands do that. Yeah. But I didn't for a long time. So, you know, and I still think there's some things we could do to improve it. But yeah, being prepared is, there's a lot to be said for that. Definitely. Once you get the album out, do you think you guys will try to tour it at all? Or we've we're we're gonna do short ones, not like I used to do in the past. You know, not like uh, you know, three to six months or even three to six weeks. It'll be more like ten days here, right. you know, long weekend there, kind of kind of shit. And if the festival can come up that we can get on, plan a weekend around that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we're we're already planning with like our friends and dog company to do some Texas shows, like go to Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston for a weekend, shit like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll, we'll do more, but it'll be more three to six days than three to six weeks or months. I'm almost 50. No desire to be gone that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm, you know, if I'm ever going to do that again, I want a tour bus <laughs> with individual beds and a bar <laughs> And TV and, you know, all the amenities. All that. Right. <laughs> I've done enough tours in the back of unair-conditioned vans that, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll do it, but not for more than a couple days. 
It was good fun though. Those those are really good memories. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Bunnies of Doom show, yeah. Talk about old Capital Underground. Like what your thoughts is outside of being a part of it. It's hard. Your thoughts of being a fan watching it. Yeah, it's hard for me to be unbiased about. I mean, I feel horrible about the shit that I'm in. You know, I I'm honored that I'm a part of it. But you know, you look back at your past self. I'm I'm way too fucking self conscious, man. I mean. When we went and saw it at the theater, Sarah and I, I was like, sweetie, I got to get drunk before this. I can't. You know, imagine sitting in an audience and watching people talk about your youth. It's quite disturbing. (laughs) Even if it is all positive. You know what I mean? It's all, not, it's flattering and it's great. And I tell you what, the seeing a lot of that, like the first section, especially the 70s stuff, most of that stuff I kind of heard about but really didn't know. So there was a lot in that movie that I had no idea. And I consider myself to be a you know part of the punk scene from early 80s on. But there was a lot going on in the late 70s, early 80s. I had no clue. I was just a kid. So, you know. I think he did a fantastic job with the film. I, uh, I, like I said, I'm personally honored to be a part of it. I think he went into he went in deeper than I would have expected or anticipated in in a lot of the history. I mean, it's pretty fucking long. Yeah, yeah, it's like two hours, a little over two. Yeah, hours. I, I mean, was, I was impressed. There's probably parts that could have been stripped down, but that that's you know, <clears throat> every person has their own ideas on how somebody else should do things but the fact is matter they're the ones that did it and they did a fantastic job and they touched into the parts of the punk scene that might have been a little outside the punk scene like you have your baby m who while they played with punk bands they weren't a punk band but they were the underground scene so that's you know that all makes sense Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, we got into just Speed Thrash and PBOC got into it's and just, you know, sheer metal, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was cool to see the way they put it together from the early days of, of punk rock in Tulsa to where it ended up being a lot more diverse with thrash and funk and metal and then, you know, regular punk rock or whatever all from the early days of the explosive comp, which I remember seeing that all over town in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I didn't know any of those dudes. I, I knew of, like, the Bridge Climbers and knew, had seen Sarah and Food Chain and shit like that. But, of course, you know NOTA. Yeah. But the bands I knew were all guys my age that were, you know, before they did CAH or maybe the same time. Because there was CAH and there was, I think they did a band called the Riot Kids and it was JFK. Fuck, there was just a lot of crappy punk bands the same time we were doing ours. <laughs> so they, point being is in that film, they didn't need to mention a lot of that because there was a million fucking punk bands in Tulsa. Yeah. And they mentioned ones that were actually productive and, and I mean, there's always more, sure. But yeah, I was real, real happy with the film. It's just hard to be unbiased about it. You know, I see it, and I see myself in it, and I kind of cringe. <laughs> well, you mentioned early '80s. Like, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but what was your first, your first band? 
first band and first band that did anything are two very different things. I mean, I was in a band called Midway in high school. Okay. And like, you know, but we just were mainly hard rock metal covers and played school functions. So, yes, that was my first band. And then started getting into heavier music. It did. A band called Mad Arab, which turned into self-destruct. We were all into that silly Necronomicon stuff. You know, the guy that wrote it was called the Mad Arab. And so we took that. And we were a pretty heavy band, but we really didn't play much. But then we formed a band called Self-Destruct, and we played a few shows. That's when we started meeting, like, Predestined Fate. You know, and we played uh, Nitro and Hoi Kwans and And... Uh, but the band that did the most and the earliest would have been Concept of Nonsense. I mean, that's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, Self-Destruct, we just recorded like a little demo thing and and played a few shows and then broke up. But then I got more and more into Cryptic Slaughter and Faster the Better, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so Nonsense was pretty productive and we had broken up for a while, formed another band called Unsociety with Dan Reif. You know, and uh, a couple guys from the underprivileged, and uh, then we reformed Nonsense, different lineup. Actually, that was our first tour as well. Ninety three, ninety three, fucking hell, twenty six years ago. <laughs> so, so did did metal come before punk? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm Iron Maiden through and through. Yeah, yeah. Know. And I mean, I. I don't know. It seems like we asked you this the last time, but just again for me, did, were you, did guitar become come first or singing? When uh, did you know you could do? No, I know. sucked at, and still suck at guitar. <laughs> Basically, my only desire to pick up the guitar was probably a lot out of sibling rivalry. Uh-huh. My brother got one, and we were that two-year-apart siblings where he was older and beat the shit out of me all the time. So, I mean, we're, we're great. I, I love him. You know, we're family. It's all good, you know. But just going back to childhood, it was just a tough time. And like it is for almost everybody, you know what I mean? And so he got a guitar, and I, I was fascinated with music. Um, always kind of socially awkward, and it didn't help having my family situation the way it was. Uh, and so I didn't really have a lot of friends. And music always kind of filled that gap. You know, and so when my brother got the guitar, I was always into the one just picking at it, just trying to figure it out. You know, not very well, but but picking it out. And I really, I I liked messing around on it and picking things out, but only minimally. I would never try to learn anybody else's songs. I would just try to pick out stuff of my own. No, I started first. I was always just singing. I didn't start playing guitar in bands until much later. Uh, I tried doing like a slow like mid Swansea kind of band called Innovand and uh I was the what I wanted and what they wanted were two different things and I was I won't say limited on guitar, I'll say horrible at guitar. So I would try to play rhythm guitar and sing and it was definitely a detriment to what we were doing. And I I was the first drummer for the kids and we were horrible. Then I switched to guitar. I didn't really, didn't really take guitar that, I don't even take it seriously now, but I didn't really play regularly till, I mean, I played for the kids, but I didn't really invest in it 
until when I started Assembly of God and I started just playing guitar and singing because uh, the end of Brother Inferior we were writing material I did not like I found that a lot of guitar players they get to they, especially if you're growing up playing punk rock and you start getting into other music a lot of guitar players I know start feeling very unchallenged and want to make their music more interesting and I don't uh, and I I started hating guitar players. Basically, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> you know, and when, when Brother Fear broke up and Ryan was writing, I mean, much just so far removed from what we were doing. And it worked for him, and he could see that as a logical direction. But I couldn't. I wanted more simple, just NOTA kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And so, in order to not deal with guitar players that didn't feel challenged with the simplicity of the music I wanted to write, I just started playing and singing. I was already playing with the kids, yes, and uh, getting better, but not... I, mean, I was definitely getting a lot better after the years, as far as rhythms go. But I never tried to do guitar just solidly on my own until like that. You know, I mean, I was doing it occasionally on my own with the kids, but I never felt that comfortable with it. But that was also just playing guitar and not really singing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was having Chris, you know, being a singer. So, yeah. And when then moved on to the leveling after Assembly of God, and that was, you know, just basically sticking to the three piece model, not dealing with guitar players anymore. Yeah. Now, you know, I mean, as long as the music's kind of what I want I everyone in the bands always has input you know I mean I'll write main body of the songs but everyone gets their two cents in and all that but I still I don't have a I don't have a desire to be in a more heavily musician based band does that make sense yes because that, that's what I felt like the other night at the bunny show I was like, you know, we were playing with just these stupid, talented bands. Not that the guys I'm playing with aren't talented. They're very... But it seemed like the bands were based off musicianship. More so than... I just wanted to write catchy songs. You know? And if they're simple as fuck, then so be it. You know? And, I mean, they're definitely the other bands that night had some, some good songs, but you could tell that they were also focused on their musicianship and bringing that to the yeah. fore and all that. I don't give two shits about that. I'm not very good anyway. <laughs> I just want you to sing along. That was kind of the way I always thought about it was like, not that you can't find a balance because a lot of people do, but I don't have the skill set nor the patience, I think. to. I mean, I sang for Senior Fells. That was one of the most complex bands I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. But you'll, I was never going to write any of that music. That was all James. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. wrote lyrics on top of it. I'd have to kind of do the math to figure out how the song went. And, uh, but that's just the music I listen to on my own. That's not it. Yeah. You know? Well, it's like, you know, from the other night, even if you didn't know the song, by the end of the song, you could sing along with that's it. That's what I want. And that's a pretty valuable thing, I think. That's growing up listening to NOTA mm -hmm. and, uh, and even other local bands, you know, Roger Scott's, you know, Dead in the Suburbs and that and Lost Reactors. And, and you had, uh, there's just a lot of catchy punk bands from back then. Some here, some wherever. I mean, but even if you look at Iron Maiden, 
well, as complex as they can be, if you break their songs down, there are really a lot of just good verses and choruses in there. Yeah. You know, you're still going to have something to grab onto. Not with every song per se, but most of them, mm-hmm. you know. And that was always what I liked. And uh, I admirely listening to music was, you know, in Van Halen and shit like that. You know, if you take away the guitar wanking, <laughs> which I enjoy, I mean, for what it is, I'll never, never do it, but. Um, but there's good, catchy songs in there. Yeah, you know, definitely. it's just catchy choruses. You know, I the way I envisioned it, especially after playing in the later Brother Inferior stuff, and uh, was if I'm going to approach, let's say you've got a hundred people at the gig, do you really want? Is your goal to impress the three to five musicians there? Or to have the 95 other drunk people singing along. And while my songs will never make the radio, you know, they're not going to be on top of the fucking charts. Still, if I can get a couple people singing along and they get something out of it, cool. Yeah, that's plenty for me. Did you join? You know? Yeah, and that's that's what I like about music in general. I mean, that's the shit I listen to, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the stuff I want to play. It's what I enjoy. I, I don't get anything out of most like instrumental music and I mean I can appreciate it it's good there's a lot of talent there but my go-to music is not that Mm -hmm. and that's that's no insult on it that's just a taste thing you know what I mean even the metal I listen to is like I gotta have (laughs) I gotta have something to grab onto and something to sing along to you ever listen to Danko Jones no so check him out I appreciate it. I'm I'll just letting you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's basically that. Oh, just cool. Stripped down hard rock. Yeah, and I, I mean, I listen like to... ACDC, catchy. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I like a lot of folk music, too. It's the simplicity of it, you know. Listen to old, from Woody Guthrie to Billy Bragg to, you know, all that. It's good. Yeah. You know. Exactly. And I, I, you know, part of growing up, too, is my, my father, you know, I mean, I was born in 1970, and and the music in the in the mid seventies, there was a lot of folk rock bands like America, yeah, you know, and the softer side of that, you know, you had like Boss Skaggs and and the Doobie Brothers. I mean, not, not necessarily softer, but just rock and roll, you know what I mean? But all pretty fucking catchy stuff, you know what I mean? And so that's what I grew up around, you know, yeah. not even realizing it, you know, but that's what I grew up around. So I think it just stuck with me, yeah. Well, speaking of this past weekend, we saw Bunnies yeah. of Doom and Dead Clown reunions. Is there a chance we'd ever see the kids or Brother Inferior playing again? Brother Inferior, probably not, because um, I had spoken with Ryan about it a few years ago, seeing as though him and I were the only original members to last of the whole thing. And he wrote a good part of the music. I wrote some of the music, and I wrote all the lyrics. So we were pretty much the main bit of that. And he, his family's not really here anymore. He has no reason. He's been living in Portland since after we got back from a European tour 20 years ago. He's an archaeologist, travels all over. So he has no, you know, to take two weeks off work, come down here and rehearse and play a show. And that's fair. I did talk to some of the dudes that have played. Actually, I talked to the shame about doing it, maybe. And uh, and some other friends of mine about doing an inferior set under the name Leather Interior. 
<laughs> but it's not that important to me. I would like to do it if, you know, I've got a month off. I'm not really, the shame's not playing, Larkin's not playing. And I can put a little effort into it and pick out like a 10, 12 song set list and just, you know, just for shits and giggles, play a gig. Because we never did play last show here. Our last show was in Rostock, Germany in 1999. And uh, so I would do it, uh, but it's it's not that important to me. No. Um, the kids, kids are still officially a band. You know, it's funny because Waska has been our bass player for the last three years and he's never played with us. <laughs> After the last time we played, which three or four years ago, I don't recall, um, our bass player decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, fair play, Rich had been with us for a long time. It's just, you know, I mean, we hardly ever do it, and it, I think it just felt like a hassle to him. And fair play, you know, if you don't really keep gear around, mm-hmm. you know, and you haven't, you don't touch a bass, and then, oh, guys, want to play a show in two weeks, you know, you got to re-throw yourself all yeah. into it. And, yeah. and so I asked Terry, I was like, if the kids ever play again, you want to play? He's like, yeah, sure. Because, I mean, he was, he's been around that all that time. Chris, sometimes I think he might want to play, and sometimes he doesn't. And you know, I'm the same with the kids. It's something I enjoy, but and if it comes around again, I I, I can be all in. But it's not life or death to me either. You know, I got other things I'm doing, so I'm not too much of a live in the past dude. But the sh- the the kids never broke up. I mean, we're still officially a band. We still might play. I mean, we'll be a band forty years, or <laughs> not play for twenty of them, and well, we might. Well, I've been a band for over twenty at this point. I think. <laughs> think shit, is it twenty eight? How long? I think we started ninety one. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, me and Chris are all that's left. Really, I mean, we have a band. We have a lineup. Steve, our, our lead guitar player, is, you know, the old concept, nonsense guitar player. And, you know, he still plays guitar. I don't know if he plays with anybody, but if we, uh, if we call him up and say, you know, you got, last time we got together, he remembered this. I mean, he's a little rusty, but everybody kind of remembered the tune. So, and Mike, I think, is still around, our old drummer. So, if not, I could probably work up a lineup. You know, the shame dudes are pretty willing to do whatever if, you know, we want to. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we thought about doing, well, we did that, uh, six, not the six pistol set. We, well, we did the six pistol set, but, uh, that was three of us from the shame. No, that was two of us from the shame. Pardon me, me and Waska. And, uh, but we also did the, uh, the documentary night. Were you guys there for that? Yeah. Well, well, you end up doing like, yeah, NOTA songs, Brother Fear stuff, illegitimate sun song, dead in the suburbs. That was fun. Yeah, that was really cool. I, I dug that. Yeah. That's... I I don't mind doing stuff like that once in a while. You know, it's funny because the most popular songs are obviously the NOTA ones. You know, I mean, none of us were in NOTA. But, <laughs> you know, but we all loved them growing up. So, that I, I, I would be fine with doing a notice set. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to play my stuff. I'll play their stuff. It's better. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I guess you kind of alluded to it, but... Uh... Final obligatory question: Is the senior fellows done officially, or is it just not officially, of- but not going to do anything? Uh, I have told James 
Well, it's his band. I mean, he's basically the Steve Harris of the band. You know, started it, writes, you know, he wrote everything until I joined and started writing lyrics, but it's still all him. You know, video over everything, organized it, booked it. That's James. Um, we lost our drummer after our last tour. What was it a couple of years ago now, it seems like. And, uh, you know, that band being as technical as it is and very specific style-wise as it is, getting someone to fit into what we're doing, I don't... I think James was having a hard time filling that spot. And uh, so I think me, him, and Dave are all kind of in that. If it comes around again, we'll do it. But if I'm honest, I'm not pursuing it. If James gives me a ring and says, you want to practice and play a show soon, I'd probably be down with it. You know, I, while it wasn't a style that I really listened to, I very much enjoyed playing with the fellows. Although it was hard to get my voice to do that again. Because I was singing like I did in Bring Down the Hammer. And... <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty intense. That's hard, man. <laughs> I can do it, but you know, you, you fall out of practice with that, and it's hard to get it back. I bet. When I first started with the fellows, I just went, because I was writing the lyrics for them, and they were having, I think, a different dude kind of come in and sing. And uh, I just went into track some stuff and tried to get my voice to sound like that. And it just, no, wow. It took a while. And it when we were recording the records, Champ would come in and do all his songs in one day. And it would take me months of going back. And, <laughs> and I, you know, what a way to make me feel incomp- incompetent. But whatever, I got it done eventually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've gotten more accustomed to singing like I do with Larkin and the Shame. It's it's still difficult, but easier on me. Yeah. yeah. Although Larkin is more a marathon, you know. I mean, we'll play for three and a half hours. So. Yeah, these shows coming up are going to be long ones. Like, uh, like the Shame, our longest set, we've played an hour once. <laughs> you know, and Larkin, we're playing two hours Thursday, Three hours Saturday, two hours, no, three hours Friday, two hours Saturday, and four hours Sunday. Wow. Yeah, so I'll be singing about 10 to 12 hours. Get ready. That's why I'm drinking my tea. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I'll probably be in bed by 8 o'clock, too. (laughs) Got to get rest. I'm still a little, I haven't been sleeping well, so my voice is a little strained from the weekend because I I just got home, sat up and drank, and I didn't do what I should have done, which Mm. is just went to bed, you know, and yeah got rest and and uh so I'm kind of paying well, if I do that then it takes me a few days to recover from it you know yeah oh, well what do you do yeah. <laughs> I abuse myself a little too much sometimes <laughs> so could you say in all the bands you've been a part of like what you're most proud of and what you've done I know that's probably a shitty question because it's like what's your favorite kid or whatever you know but. well <laughs> Every time I've done something new, I feel pretty proud of it. You know, like being in the documentary, I feel very proud that I was, that I, that what I did was considered to matter enough to be in it, you know, and, uh, it is hard to say because, uh, I feel proud of a lot of it. 
you know, everything we've done in Lark and getting that last record out after eight years of having lineup changes and surgeries like our, we lost a year because Karen had carpal tunnel surgery and, you know, we we went through a, a previous, two guitar players in that time. It took us forever to write the song and get in the studio. Eight years to get that record out. That, that felt like such a hurdle. Like, if we don't do anything else, we finally got this done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, Held, I would definitely the one of the highlights would be the Brother Fear last tour, you know, which was you know twenty some odd countries and six months long, dumbest thing I ever did. <laughs> but you know, you can't help but look back and go, despite all the fuck ups that happened during that time, despite a lot of mistakes being made, that was pretty fucking awesome. And uh, you know, getting to play CBGBs, even though it was one of the worst sets we played. <laughs> <laughs> Assembly of God playing there and was using a fucking uh, Yamaha guitar with like three locks and you had to use two different Allen wrenches to change a fucking string. Oh, wow. And of course, the two songs in, string breaks and I'm standing there with my dick in my hand at CBGB's. We still got to do it. So I got to play there, which was pretty proud moment. But looking back on it going... The fact that I played there is a whole lot cooler than if you would have actually saw the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say you played there, no one has to know. <laughs> yeah, they don't really have to, you know, find the video or anything. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, doing records, you know. This Shame record's going to feel like a good hurdle getting out because I'm really, really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, catchy punk rock. It's a lot heavier. We've beefed up our sound a little bit. Having two guitars makes a difference. Yeah. But also... When I started it, I wanted it to be like a classic oi band. And maybe I followed the guideline a little too much. I just tried to follow the what oi was, what I liked about it, the sound, the style. And after f- five, six years of doing well, it's nine years of doing it now. You know, when especially when John joined, uh, so about a year or so ago, I was like, you know, we're all metalheads. There's no, I mean, I still want it to be an oi band, but let's, I'm not going to worry about the sound as much. I'm going to get it to sound like the way I want it to, you know, Marshall half stack, beef up the fucking gain, put in some proper leads, not tuned down, but definitely try to write a little heavier riffs and uh, still be oi, but we'll say give it some more stones. And so I'm real, real proud of that. You know, there's a shit ton you know, grateful that anybody even gives two shits about anything I've done. So, bang, you look back and go, it, that actually mattered, you know? <laughs> no, no, I guess it didn't. That's okay. <laughs> there you go, Chad Malone of The Shame, Larkin, Senior Fellows, the kids who never learned how to color inside of the lines, formerly Brother Inferior. Formerly Concept of Nonsense. We talked about all that stuff in there. Yes, we did. The reason that just kind of ended there without a formal ending was because the batteries ran out on the Tascam. We had, you know, a few more things we could talk about, but I I think that that got summed up there nicely at the end, talking about his everything that he's done throughout his musical career. If you're listening to this and you haven't heard any of those bands, just do yourself a deep dive yeah. into all that stuff. Why not? Yeah. 
check it all out because it's all great. And I'm gl- very glad to hear that the shame has new, a new album here coming in the next few months. So really looking forward to hearing that. And whenever we get our hands on some, I'm sure we'll be playing a song for you on here. But once again, if you have not heard episode 58, go check that out. We go in a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about on this one, but a huge thank you to Chad for having us over, having a couple beers and sitting there and talking to him about punk rock. Definitely. So if this is your first time listening, soundcloud.com backslash thunder dash underground is where all the episodes are. You can also find it at thethunderunderground.com and you can listen on iTunes, Google, TuneIn, all that great stuff. And we've had on Lenny Lashley from the Street Dogs. We've had on the Normandies, another local punk band. We've had on Wino from the Obsessed. We've had on a lot of guys from hardcore bands like Hate Breed, I Hate God, Super Joint, Crowbar, not really hardcore, but, you know, in the same vein. Yeah. All the good shit. Yeah. And then we go into stuff like Kiss, Seven Dust, Warren, Shooter Jennings. The the list is, is pretty broad. So just dive in there and check it out. com is where you can find everything, all our socials, follow us on all that stuff. Get on YouTube and subscribe there as well because we put up videos now at least once a week or so where we review songs, albums, concerts, talk about random shit. We reviewed Cheese recently. You'll understand it if you go find it. My God. Cheese. Yeah. You need some more cheese right now. No, I don't. Oh, God. (laughs) You can also find us every Monday night on 1027WSNR.com, 7 p.m. Central. That's about it, right? I think that does it. Yeah. Yeah, once again, thanks to Chad Malone. Thanks to Med Farm, DEB Concerts, and we will see you April 7th at the Venue Shrine for the benefit for The Bachelor, for Josh Baker of Zen Hipster and The Bachelor's Table. And until next time. Last time I think we talked for like half an hour. Well, see, he he usually has the thing on when we walk in, so I'm just, I'm used to just high up. Is that the case? It wasn't then, but no. (laughs) Sorry about that. Normally, he's right. Normally, I I get ahead of people just so I'll start talking, but. Thunder Underground, y'all.